Hello and welcome to the MVR podcast number 18. I'm Rachel Elmer. And I'm Peter Jacob. And today we're talking about don't talk about violence, question mark. <laughs> As a brilliant topic and, and our preamble before the recording, um, it'd be really nice, Peter, for an intro. How do we get to this topic? Well, uh, apparently after um, a recent webinar, a number of professionals uh, expressed concern about uh, our use of the term violent in, you know, in relation to um, certain behaviors of young people and said that we should not call it violence. So I, I don't know more of that feedback yet, but uh, I just thought it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing to look at, you know, what, what does it mean when we use the word violence? What does it mean to different people? Uh, what does it mean in context? How do we operate with that term? Um, yeah, so that's, that's what I felt uh, would be an interesting topic. Yeah, and I think it comes up um, a lot in our training, in our foundation level training. Mm -hmm. There are occasionally some of the participants feel oh, there's some discomfort mm -hmm. about that word. And sometimes in sessions with families, I've experienced some discomfort with using the word violence or not in, not in, not connecting to the um, the work that we do in NVR. Why do we call it non-violent mm -hmm, system? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. I, I think those concerns were around use of the word violence in pertaining to certain child behaviours. Mm. Um, I mean, you've already mentioned discomfort uh, among people on training courses, on professional training courses, and among some parents. And uh, I, I'm curious about your experience. Um, do you feel that that discomfort is shared by the majority of parents or only by some? And can, can I think you say more about that? Yeah, I think in my experience, um, some, not all, um, I think at the start of work, work, you know, start working with clients that having these healthy discussions about talking about violence, I think it becomes quite clear that, that they are victims of violence from their, from their child, from their adolescent young person. Um, and majority of families, it sits, it sits well with. They recognise that the, the behaviours presented are violent. The language presented is violent. Damage to the property is violent. Um, and most parents can can connect with that. Just a few, just some don't. And actually, sometimes that then opens up further conversations around the parents' distress of how they perhaps have normalized some of this violence. Um, so, and, and we are using the word violence in, in our conversation right now, but I, I'm really curious, the, 
the parents who are uncomfortable with the use of that word, what what causes their discomfort? I think it's about thinking perhaps for uh, their child's um, distress, mm -hmm. and not wanting to connect that distress or trauma experiences mm -hmm. to, to violence. Um, seeing the distressed child as a, as a non-violent child, even though there are violent behaviours. I think, I, I, you know, I, I've not deeply explored it with, with families, but perhaps coming from a very child-centred position, thinking um, it's, it's hard to imagine, you know, the child that you've raised to to you know to not be able to regulate themselves and become so distressed and violent towards the parents there's fear of, of criminalizing them you know i think there's lots many of, of things that there are many many different motives to feel uncomfortable with the use of the word violence mm. um so one that you've said is the belief that it must be distress that is causing a particular violent incident, or indeed every violent incident, and that distress is inevitably um, caused by trauma. Mm -hmm. um, I guess what, what strikes me is that while we know that children with high adverse childhood experiences, um, you know, prior to coming into their adoptive families or into their into their foster families or into their residential homes or prior to perhaps uh, you know if they're still in the family of origin prior to uh, a violent offender you know partner of the mother or husband uh, leaving the family um, are much more likely to become violent. And I guess then it's easy to th believe that every single incident of violence must be on account of the child's traumatic response being triggered off, a fight mm. response being triggered off. Mm. <clears throat> and and I even often st struggle with the use of the term trigger. Mm. And the, the correct um, psychological term is a stimulus, mm. something that could stimulate a response. A trigger is a very different metaphor. You know, you have a trigger on a gun. Once you pull the trigger, then the bullet comes out no matter what. Whereas stimulus is a very different term. Stimulus creates an inclination to act in a certain way. Mm. But it does not mean that that action, that particular action is inevitable. Okay, but that aside, that's that's the trigger metaphor. Um, but this this belief that every every response must necessarily be a traumatic response, a fight response, by a child, and that that child actually must be experiencing distress. And um, it's it's a good question, isn't it? Uh, you know, is that the case? 
But even if that were the case, and I don't believe it is the case, I think the propensity to act aggressively, of course, is much greater in, uh, in children or young people who've experienced adverse childhood experiences, who've had adverse childhood experiences. <laughs> Even if that were the case, what would it mean if we use the term violence? You know, and you, you've mentioned that other aspect, uh, the, the worry about stigmatizing their child. Can you, can you say a little bit more about that? Uh, you know, I think everybody comes to, to their sessions with a different background mindset and parents. It's hard to, to imagine that their child can present behaviours that are, are very, very harmful, very, very threatening, very, very dangerous. Unlike, you know, that, it, that like an, an adult can present. And when adults present this level of aggression and violence, it's very common that we would call the police and that the police are called when there is adult-to-adult -adult aggression and violence. And so when a, I feel when a parent witnesses such levels of aggression and harm and harmful behaviour, that um, inevitably the police would need to be called, therefore criminalising their child or, or fear of. Which is interesting because I'm thinking of a residential service for children that works with NVR in which every uh, member of staff is trained in NVR and they have been able to reduce the criminalization of young people um, to almost zero. You know. How so? How so? How have they managed that? I think that would be a question that people listening would really by, want to By working with NVR and calling out certain behaviors as violent. Mm. Um, and I think that it's an incredibly um, important uh, piece of evidence, so to speak, um, that rather than criminalizing the young people, they have reversed the trend you know, uh, they feel they no longer need to criminalize them because the rates of violence have gone down so much. And also the restraint, the need to restrain, I mean, the members of staff are all trained in, in restraint. Uh, the restraint went down by about 90%. So I think, and the proof of the pudding is always in the eating, isn't it? So if there's an assumption that by calling certain aggressive behaviors, violence, you were to criminalize the child, actually we see the opposite of that. But I was wondering another th about another thing. I was wondering about the word is. So is there a concern that when we use the term violence, we are saying this young person is violent? Mm -hmm. which is not what we do in NVR. In NVR, we say, this young person, and I'm choosing the tense very carefully that I'm using right now, has acted with violence. And the response of the parent 
and the community around the parents, the growing network of support, is a particular and very clear message to the young person, this violence must stop now. Mm. And I think implicit in that message is a certain belief. And that belief is that the young person can respond to whatever troubles them, may trouble them, in other ways. Mm. They do not need to respond in this way. And I think if I'm worried that if I use the term violence, I characterize the young person as being violent, I, so to speak, um, treat the violence as a character trait of the young person. Mm. And I think that goes down to a belief in the inevitability of the young person. So because they have been traumatized, they cannot but act in this particular way. They cannot help it. They are, so to speak, victims of their past trauma. And I think there's a risk there. And the risk is that I communicate to the child that I do not believe they can change their behavior now. Mm. And, you know, I'm thinking of Carol Dweck's um, uh, uh, theory uh, of, of um, growth, you know, and according to her research, um, we know that when people believe traits can change in themselves or in others, and when people communicate to the other person their belief that that trait can change or that behavior pattern, um, then it's likely to change. If, however, they commu communicate that they believe it is an immutable trait, it is a fixed trait, then it is less likely to change. Mm. So I think if, if I think, right, you have shown a violent behavior, this violence must stop now. And if, if I, can, I can develop that belief, that strong belief inside of myself, I'm likely to communicate that faith in the child to the child. Mm. Actually, the message is not you are a violent person. The message is you are not a violent person. Mm. You are a good person. Um, and that's why the violence must stop now. Mm. And I think that is what accounts for the success in NVR in actually reducing violence. I yeah I totally get with that I think using that word inevitable um, I think also alongside that inevitable thinking by some parents is some of the language and terminology used to describe a violent young person and one of those those um, I suppose a title that they're given is the perpetrator which which infuriates me when people regard to young people as perpetrators 
and we in our practice refer to our child in in the work we're doing as our focused child yeah. that's how we refer to them yeah. but i think you know, it's it's the, the language across the board just going right back earlier peter to the metaphor of, of trigger and i was thinking about you know that 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 term is used and and it's and it, it's commonly used in in our work and by parents and by other professionals and it's what people can make a connection to but but part of me feels that metaphor you used about a gun you know that in itself is violence isn't it the, you know so using that metaphor trigger uh, like you would trigger a gun a gun is violence and i think you know that that uh, that language around perpetrators language around connection before correction all of that language correction triggers perpetrators is all very negative and harmful language well let's imagine rachel you were an angry young person who has been prone to act with aggression Mm. and the kind of aggression has become violent so let's let's imagine that you have hit me okay um, or that you've threatened me with a knife. Incidentally, I I, uh, I went back 